0: Welcome to Silverbacks Valley, a podcast brought to you by Silverbacks Holdings. Today in the Valley with Ibrahim Sanya is a two-time Super Bowl champion, first team All-Pro, and former defensive end of the New York Giants. Today he leads the NFL's effort to grow the game of football in Africa. Through the Uprise, a talent, training, and scouting program, And the Uprise Flag Football League, where teams owned by NFL players of African descent compete in Nigeria, our guest has been creating opportunities and developing pathways to football college scholarships and the NFL for African players. Today, the Valley welcomes Osi Minora.
1: Welcome to Silverbacks Valley. I'm your host today, and my name is Ibrahim Sanya this episode is powered by the global sports summit organized by the sports leadership institute under a private by us for us model the global sports summit is led by and intended for owners of major sports leagues team front office executives and top decision makers in the global sports industry from all around the world We, at Silverbacks Valley, are big fans. Jose, my brother. Yes, sir. Great to have you here in Barcelona. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been long overdue. (laughs) So you're basically the African legend (laughs) of football. That's what they say. (laughs) It's a fact. That's, That's the reality. Yes, sir. So, start by telling us about your... Departure from Nigeria, mm. then to the UK, mm-hmm. then to the US. Okay. That's not a lot
2: yeah. of transition for a young man. Yeah. How were those experiences? Um, interesting. Uh, first, my parents are Nigerian. Obviously, were from um, the east of Nigeria, Hanumbra. Um And so from there, uh, basically, I was born in London. Um, spent the first couple of years of my life in London. Then from there, we went to Nigeria. So I actually got to Nigeria when I was seven years old. Um, and I spent you know the next seven years of my life in Nigeria. Uh, oddly enough, when I first got to Nigeria from England, I would speak with this <clears throat> British Cockney accent <laughs> We're in the village in Nigeria. So you know they 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 got that out of me really really quick. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but you know, for us, I was lucky enough or, or fortunate enough to have a father who, uh, for him, it was all about education. And so he knew instinctively that. For us to get a better education or a better life especially with the things that were going on in nigeria at the time we had to leave and he had the ability to be able to send us out and so he sent me to the united states to you know for school when i was 14 years old and um, i got there obviously i was in alabama which was a very interesting part of the united states of america complete cultural difference between you know nigeria london and alabama um, but then, you know, started playing football. I uh, saw that that's what all the cool uh, people were doing. Uh, and I, I needed to have some friends. I was quite lonely at the time, and American football was just the biggest sport um, there. So I picked it up and, you know, got pretty good at it. And the rest is, uh, uh, as they like to say, history. Now, and uh,
1: eventually you joined uh, the Giants. Yeah, Yeah. So tell us about how the opportunity manifested itself. Yeah. And
2: uh, was it all you had expected? Well, I think it was more than I expected, but the uh, opportunity manifested itself in a, in a very, I've been, I've been really lucky is what I would like to say. I think a lot of times people uh, like to pin down uh, hard work and, you know, dedication and all those good things. And all those things are, are necessary. but for me, I, for whatever reason, I've just always been put in the right place at the exact right time mm-hmm. uh, to capitalize on on opportunities. Um, I think, for instance, um, even for me to get a, a scholarship to go to college, because that's the way it works in, in America. You go from high school and then from there you go to college and then from college you go to the pros. But in high school, I wasn't necessarily a really good football player because I picked up the game very very late uh, most of the people start playing from a young age mm-hmm. I started playing at you know I was almost 16 years old and oh. I started playing and um, so I only had really one year to be able to get a scholarship so I, le- I started playing the game I wasn't necessarily that good and um, so my career was over basically I didn't have no scholarship offers nothing and so I was in I was in school And I was already driving. My sister had taught me how to drive. This is a a crazy (laughs) story, (laughs) crazy story. My sister had taught me how how to drive already. And so I was already driving to school every day, um, but had a class called driver's education. Hmm. And because I was driving to school, like a proper Nigerian, I said, I'm not going to, what am I going to driver's education for when I'm already driving? I have my license. So I wasn't going to class in the morning. So I would show up at nine as opposed to eight. And so uh, after like two weeks of doing this, um, this was, after football was over my high school career um, I, I go to my nine o'clock class and they're like yeah the principal's looking for you i'm like oh, what did i do now so i go to the principal's office and she's like you haven't been going to your driver's education class so you're now going to in school suspension so i had to go to in school suspension for two weeks and so i go to in school suspension and the person who's teaching the in school suspension class was the was a coach on our football team. Wow. So he asked me, he's like, oh see, what are you, first of all, what are you doing here? You're a nice kid, you shouldn't be in this. I was like, "I, you know, I just, I wasn't going to class and he was like, okay, so what are you going to do with your life? It's like, I don't know. I'm going to find a way to go to college. It's like, I think, you know, you have some potential. Um, you should try to walk on to, to college, which is, you know, they don't give you a scholarship. You just walk onto a college team and you start playing. He's like, I'm going to call my friend who's coaching at Troy um, and I'm going to tell him about you. So he called his friend and Troy's like two hours away. But for some reason, his friend was in Auburn High School at the time, and he was visiting his parents. Wow. So the guy just walked over um, to where I was in the in-school suspension. And he was like, Oh, you are a big kid? Man. Like, you know, what's going on? What do you, you know, can you play? I was like, I-, I just started playing this game. But, you know, if you give me an opportunity, you know, something can happen. He was like, OK, cool. So they took me outside, you know, to go run, see how fast I was. He was like, oh, you're fast. So he called the head coach of Troy State. He was like, listen, we got this big kid. Um, He just started playing this game, but he's big and he can run. You know, we should give him a chance. And the head coach was like, cool. So they gave me a scholarship like right there. Now this took literally, I would say, three hours total from when I walked into (coughs) in-school suspension (laughs) to having a scholarship to go to school. Just the most bizarre. uh, Yeah. And so that's how my actual football career got started by not going to school. So, you know, Wow.
1: Yeah. Just like uh, all rules get exceptions. Yeah. And that's usually the time where you get exceptional people. Yeah. Appreciate that. So from that, uh, getting into college yeah. in a pure luck <laughs> 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 uh, a, event, yeah, which I think, you know, I, I do believe that even for luck, to catch you, you need to be prepared. Yeah. But when you, from college to uh, the Giants, yeah. was there another strike of luck of such measure? Or the discipline, uh, determination, regularity, not yeah. missing practice, yeah. eventually do his job?
2: Definitely another stroke of luck, to be honest, because um, I went to Troy, and Troy wasn't like a really big school. It was was a smaller school, and so um, in in the NFL, they like to draft players from big schools. And so um, throughout my entire uh, career in college, I was a good player, um, but never really got the looks that I was supposed to be getting. And so... um, Going up into the last year of my college season, for me, it was des- it was all really about education. Like football to me was all about opportunities. It wasn't necessarily, oh, I'm in love with uh, the game of American football, so I'm gonna keep playing. It just kept on presenting opportunities for me. And so um, I got to my senior year in school, um, kept on playing and um, I had a really good senior year, uh, but I still didn't get the attention of a lot of the big players were getting because I came from a small school. And so um, I, I remember I started training for the combine, is what they like to call it. Yes, the yes, company, yes, The yes, big combine yes, yes. Event, Right. And so um, I, 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 had, I had an agent at the time. And so I'm training. He had me at this facility with all the other big players. And then the word came out that I wasn't invited to the combine, which was the big, uh, big event. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. So I didn't get invited. So they now said, hey, okay, well, listen, we can't keep spending this money on you. If <laughs> you're not know, going to the combine So and I had to take my stuff and I went home while everybody's there still training. So I remember going to um, I was at my at my parents' house and I'll go outside and I'll take a clock and I was timing myself training and running and I'll, I'll run and I'll run my 40 outside <laughs> and I'll do my drills all the while holding my clock, timing myself right. And so um uh, you know, all that happened, and then we had this thing called the pro day where teams actually come and they watch you. So, I was at my college and we had a pro day, and so um, the teams came, they watched me. I did really well at my pro day, but I still didn't get right invited to the combine. So, all the projections had me going in like the sixth or seventh round come draft day. And so, come draft day, um, you know, where how they gather all the parents and the people gather around. In my head, I'm thinking I'm going to get drafted the next day because it's a two-day event. Mm. And so the first day I told everybody not to be around me. Cause I just I knew I wasn't gonna get drafted on the first day. Mm. So I'm laying down, I'm in my pajamas, I'm watching the the draft go on, and then all of a sudden, you know, the giants, it's their turn to pick. This isn't like the second round, which is a very early pick. And then the guy comes up and he starts stumbling over a name, and then all of a sudden my agent calls me, he's like, something weird is going on here, man. I think I think they're going to draft you. And I'm like, how are they going to draft me? I'm, You know, it, it's just no possible way. And then 30 seconds later, they said my name. Like, I got wow. drafted while I'm in my pajamas <laughs> watching by myself. It, it was it was bizarre. So that's like another thing that got uh-huh. me into um, playing the game. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it was luck, but there's just strange things that <laughs> that have kept on happening um, that, that have got me to that point.
1: Wow. Yeah. Oh, clearly, uh, it appears that uh, that you were looking for has had been looking for you. <laughs> <laughs> <Clearly>. <laughs> That's what they say. Clearly. So, oh, well, it's a blessing. So mm-hmm. clearly that career started, went well, mm-hmm. and you also uh, underwent early retirement. Yeah. But before retirement, how was, you know, that, 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 that meeting Mm -hmm. with high income. Because obviously you know, you evolve with your college mates and you coming from from the continent. And obviously you had to get your parents over the hump of not taking the traditional expectation of being a doctor, engineer, or banker or some of the requirements. How was your sentiment with regards to to high income? Because mm-hmm. obviously they say financial discipline, financial education mm-hmm. is often lacking yeah. within young athletes. Yeah. Was there any guidance, any uh, any uh, any anything that
2: helped you yeah. at that moment? I, I would say that it's it, it, it all comes down from from my parents. And this is another thing that I would say I got lucky and it's because, um, I don't want this to sound any kind of way, but fortunately growing up, like my father was an Igwe is what we like to call Mm -hmm. him. He was a king. Right, exactly. So we grew up um, by African standards very, very well. Um, And then from there, uh, he got into a situation like much later on. So when I got to America, there was like nothing. Yes. right so you went from having you know pretty much anything you want in africa and then you go to the land of milk and honey and then now you're in the projects <laughs> and you're straight you, it was it was backwards in, yes. in a way right um but then you know once i did finally get into the nfl and you start to make you know a tremendous amount of money i think having had growing up it doesn't make you you don't just immediately start going crazy Mm -hmm. because you've already Mm -hmm. had that experience growing Mm -hmm. up. And I think a lot of people and a lot of um, athletes, for the most part, they say the best athletes come from poverty. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, you know, if you've never had anything, all of a sudden, when you're exposed to that, your first instinct is confusion. You want and oh, let me go get this, and all the things you've never had you want to go. But I already grew up with all those things. So that was my first um, instinct was to get that. So it, it was all about also understanding how things were when i was growing up and then how things were a little bit later on Mm -hmm. and there's really nothing worse than having and then not having like once you once you experience once you experience that you say to yourself you know what i am never going to go back to not having right so you become a little bit smarter and more I'm conscious of the things that you do with money. So once mm-hmm. I did have it, I said, I'm never going to be broke again. And so you start to invest and, and do things in a, in a much smarter way than you would have uh, if you didn't have those experiences. Fabulous. So obviously you retired. Yeah.
1: And there was a thread between that retirement moment yeah. and you launching the initiative. Yeah. So what was your, your thinking? Yeah. And how did you learn yeah.
2: into NFL Africa? Yeah. So um, <clears throat> as I was playing, I, I remember we came, we went to, to London to play a game when I was still with the Giants at the time. And then we played against the Miami Dolphins in London. And I remember coming out there for the first time. I hadn't been back to London in maybe like 20 years at the time. And so I remember coming out there and, you know, we played the game and I was looking around and I said, wow, this game is... People know American football in London. It was the first game ever. And so there was like a seed implanted in my head then that, okay, I was born in London. Um, I have a connection to London. Um, I also knew that there were a lot of Africans in London, also in, in, that, in that area. And I didn't want to be in a situation where uh, when I retired, I, I, I was in America competing for, you know, whatever it is, with everybody else uh, to me, there was a fresh opportunity in London, nobody was really there. Um, but I knew the NFL was heavily invested there and they were going to continue to make that market grow. But the Americans just weren't on that vibe yet. They were mm-hmm. like, well, no, I'm going to stay in America. I said, no, I'm going to move to London and try to grow the game internationally when I finish. Mm-hmm. So in 2007, when we played the first game, I started to um, have conversations with the NFL International about when I retired, I was going to move to London. And they thought I was just joking. This was like seven, eight years before I retired. Right. So but I had made that connection and I let them know that this is exactly what I wanted to do seven years prior to me retiring. So upon my retirement, which happened in 2014, um, I went straight to the NFL office. I was like, listen, I told you seven years ago that this is what I wanted to do. Um, now I'm retiring I want to go to London I want I want to help grow the game internationally and so like a week after I retired it was like go so I flew out there I was already um, I was going to the office every day never been to office in my life I was there from nine to five working and um, just just trying to come up with concepts and things to do to grow the game um, internationally because they had some ideas but I was coming with some fresh ideas because I had come from straight from the field, right into that environment. And I had an international background. I knew the way people thought um, in different areas of, uh, of the world. Um, and I knew that they were going to have to expand their thinking in order for these games to grow. Because you can't have the American mentality and try to grow the game um, internationally with the same mm-hmm. uh, mentality that you have in America. Mm-hmm. So I got out there and I, I saw what they were doing in terms of trying to grow the game in the United Kingdom. Um, And so I came with some ideas about how to grow the game in the the UK and Germany and all these different places. At this point in time, Africa wasn't necessarily a, it wasn't a thought in terms of growing the game because obviously the financial um, repercussions or the, you know, what you could get from Africa. In their head, they hadn't started to think about how they can make money as a business in Africa. So it was all about, you know, Europe and all these different places. But as time started to go along, what I realized was all the things that we were looking for in all these international markets, Africa already had, right? Mm-hmm. And it was the place where, you know, there's two types of growth: there's linear growth, there's exponential growth, right? With mm-hmm. business. And you could get linear growth in all these markets because there's so many different. Uh, cause so much competition, but for me, the exponential growth could only come from Africa because it had all the ingredients and everything necessary for the game to grow everywhere. Um, over there, right? So it was there. I was like, Listen, I know you're talking about all these different places, but hey, we already have a hundred and something players, players in the NFL from Africa, right? Um, from what we've seen uh the game requires, you know, size, intelligence, athleticism, something that, you know, sub-Saharan African, and West Africans in is general rich on, is rich on, right? Mm-hmm. Um youth population, the macroeconomic factors are growing. There's so many different things that if you start to plant your seed in Africa now, wow. 10, 15 years from now, it's gonna explode for you mm-hmm. because you have everything that you know everybody else doesn't have and you have a, a competitive advantage in the fact that people can actually make it to the highest level from here I'm not mm-hmm. going to make it from china or india mm-hmm. and all these it's going to be very difficult mm-hmm. but the people in africa can see with their own eyes mm-hmm. players going directly from africa True. into the nfl yeah. and that is a, a massive selling point right in terms of consumption and getting people to actually um understand and, and want to follow this mm-hmm. game so mm-hmm. started to have this conversation with you know the nfl about this and You know, luckily for me, I had a a very strong relationship with the commissioner of the NFL. So I took the idea straight to him and I was like, listen, you know, I've been here for a couple of years now. I've seen everything that people are trying to do. There's a massive opportunity here in Africa. Um, You just have to trust me. You have to let me figure out exactly what we need to do. And he was like, okay, let's go for it. And this was how the idea for uh, NFL Africa uh, began. This episode
1: is powered by Afro Bowlers. Afro Bowlers is the largest digital platform curating stories of African athletes, creating values in sports industry on and off the court. Afro Bowlers collaborates frequently with major sports leagues and major sport personalities of African descent. It services an audience of over 100,000 of followers. We, at Back to Valley, are big fans. Marvelous to see how you systematically in your career go from a thought to belief yeah. and then a conviction. Yes, sir. And that's what triggers the action. Yeah. And that, that's, uh, that's uh, lovely to, to watch that consistency now that you've got their attention mm-hmm. into the geography. Uh, especially with the numbers, yeah. I see, numbers are stubborn.
2: Mm-hmm. What has been your execution plan? Yeah. Well, I think that's where uh, things have been. I would say just so fantastic. Uh, it, it's just been it's, it's been mind blowing to see some of the things that uh, we've been able to do. Because uh, a lot of times you say things and everybody looks at you like you're crazy, but they're, they're not working with all the information right like i had the information mm-hmm. i knew that hey um i started playing this game at a very very late age right mm-hmm. and you know outside of the quarterback position it doesn't require that much um training right mm-hmm. outside of that one position and there's like 13 positions on the field okay. right? so if you have this level of athleticism and this level of intelligence you can make that transition really really easy so i was like hey we're going to take players from africa Nigeria you know Senegal and next year they're going to be in the NFL and if I tell you that you're like you're crazy but I know that these things are possible because I understand and you went through something not too dissimilar exactly so I was like okay um we're going to have these camps um and then from there the first step in the process is we're going to have these camps we're going to show that this is possible that we can take these athletes directly from Uh, wherever it is in Africa, and we can place them on NFL teams through the International Player Pathway Program. We can take them to the NFL Academy, which is the younger age, or we can send them to college where they get full scholarships to these massive universities, and we can do this. And they're like, "Eh, well, okay, do it cool. So we start to have these camps, the prize camps, and then we, we find these incredibly talented athletes, and then from there they go to the NFL Africa camp, which is the once-a-year camp that we have. Mm. And then you take these athletes from there, and then we have now Seven players uh, just from two years in the NFL. Wow! We have uh, a wow. player at the University of Tennessee. We have a player going to Boston College. We have four players in the NFL. I'm, I'm Boston College undergrad. you Boston <laughs> College. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So our player, one of our players, <laughs> is it Eagle? Um, yeah, he's going there. He's gonna he's gonna go there um, this year. He's from Senegal. Wow. Yeah, Senegalese <laughs> well. player. Absolutely. Wow. So yeah. found him through um, Amadou uh, sent wow. him through us. So. <laughs> Yes. It's it's crazy, crazy. <laughs> so you got all these things that that um that are happening. And so that's the first initial wow, step. Nine, nine kids in less than two years. Three.
1: Thirteen?
2: Thirteen. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's amazing. That's an amazing, amazing yield. It's, an it's, amazing yield. It's, it's been incredible. And this is just like a small sample of what's possible because the demand for these type of uh, athletes in the united states of america is insatiable it's 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 never ending right and then this the 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 supply of these type of athletes in africa is is unlimited unlimited. right so basically all it is is just a connection of supply to demand it's basic economics right and it's um these are the things that, that we have and that we can continue to To provide, because I know that they don't have enough of these kind of people. And um, just with the sports ecosystem and the way sports are are working, that's just going to continue to grow, right? Mm -hmm. So the more we can continue to provide and train these athletes, the more opportunities they're going to get. And the more opportunities they get, they now go back into their communities, into their countries, and people now start to see. And so it becomes... It's It's a a, a virtuous cycle. It's a virtuous cycle. It's... it's, it's, Seems elementary when you look at it like that. It yeah. seem you're like, why did nobody think to think do this before? before, right? But right. it's just
1: um, right. that's just we the gotta, way it works. When you when you see an empty room, you have to fill it. Yeah, <laughs> a blessing. A blessing has uh, is fully upon you. Uh, the other thing we 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 we, we observing is this uh, this revolution around flag football. Yeah. So tell us how. Uh, how is it uh, playing off? In, yeah, on the, on the continent.
2: Yeah, it's um, it's 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 been really interesting. I think the actual American football itself is is it requires a lot of infrastructure. It requires a lot, so many coaches and all the equipment and the, the pads and the, the field and all these different things, which right? is a lot of cost. Yeah, it's, it, it, you're going to incur heavy financial costs cost. if you're going to do it the proper way. Uh, but flag football is a is a very very easy game to play it's just flags basically in the football you can get a small field, and then you know you start to play the game but ultimately we're trying to drive consumption or drive awareness of you know the very very big league which is where if you're playing flag football ultimately you're going to be watching um the professionals of the, the NFL show. right mm-hmm. so that's basically the, the play that's the play there is to get as many people as possible playing this game with the idea that you're going to be consuming um the nfl ultimately but then uh you you look at you look at the way uh, a lot of teams are trying to do it a lot of people are trying to to do it uh for me I, I it didn't make any sense because it's not necessarily about you know just doing flag football right like especially on the continent of africa if you're going to have a sport if you're going to get people to Uh, start to play this game or or, you know want to play this game then there has to be an incentive for them to do that it's not just hey here's some flags in football go play they don't need exercise like that's not necessarily that's not necessarily what they need right yeah so um we decided to do it a completely different way we i understood that all those 100 and something players that were talked about who are in the nfl already they always especially if you're raised by african parents um they have a very very keen Interest in Africa, but they just ha- had no idea how to manifest. They want to know they want to be known in Africa They want their people there to know them and then you realize that people in Africa don't know They have no clue about what's going on in American football the opportunities that this presents, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea for me was okay We got to take these players and we have to somehow Market them in Africa, right? Mm-hmm. And then we also have to give the people who are playing this game opportunities mm-hmm. um, playing so now It creates another uh, virtual cycle of the players who are known in America. Well, you know, well-established players. They now have an opportunity to own teams in Africa. Right. Mm. And then also the flag football program that we're doing isn't just flag football. It's an opportunity to uh, see who the most talented players are. And those guys now get the opportunities to go to the NFL Academy in the UK or the older ones get opportunity to go to the International Player Pathway program where we place them directly into the NFL. And then we also have like a huge cash prize for the winning team. Mm-hmm. So this is how you incentivize the players on the ground to actually want to continue to play the game um, because number one, there's opportunities for them to win money and then there's opportunities for them to actually you know, progress and, and do some things in their lives. And then you have the players who are in Africa now, the players who are in America now giving back to their communities, you know, owning teams, you know, getting well known. And, you know, the game of football itself grows that way. So everybody is winning. Is winning. Is winning. Yeah. So that's the way that's the way I created it in that way, as opposed to doing it in a way Oh, just flag football. People just go out there and say, no, it doesn't make any sense to me. Everybody has to win. So, should we expect a few flag football teams coming uh, to life? Oh, in uh, on the continent in the coming uh, months, two years. There's we're running the league right now. Um, so there's four of them. They're owned. Nice. By, yeah, so they're owned by um, Romeo Quara who plays for the Detroit Lions, and Emmanuel Ogba, who plays for the Dolphins, and Joku, who plays for the Chiefs, and Jones Drew, plays for the Jaguars. They own these teams, and we're in competition right now. Um, and they're all based on the continent. They're all based in Nigeria. Which, all in Nigeria. All in Nigeria, because that's my base. Right? <laughs> but then Excellent. what we're trying to do is we have to find um, <coughs> different uh, entrepreneurs in different markets. So we want to go into Senegal and into Ghana and then the South Africa and into Kenya and have actual the same setup in mm-hmm. all these different countries. And then, you know, we now, what the NFL Africa main camp, Mm. The teams, the winning uh, team from these different places, we're going to fly them into this NFL Africa main camp. And then they're going to play in like a big tournament there. And then from there, the best players now get the opportunity to, to play. In the US. Uh, exactly. How many flag football teams in the U.S.? In America? In I, you can't even count them. <laughs> right. There's just, they're everywhere. It's it's. A massive initiative for the NFL to push this black football globally because they believe people are going to be able to compete um, mm. everywhere. Like the Mexican team just beat America not too long ago, right? So it's it's a sport that gives everybody the opportunity. Yeah, the opportunity. But you're not going to be able to uh, compete in like regular football with against an American NFL team. You can't, but black football you can for sure. Magnificent.
1: What's your view and your vision for the NFL? brand and Mm. uh, across the continent what five years down the road road 10 years down
2: the road uh, what do you see 10 years down the road i see first of all there's going to be a actual nfl game played on the continent i don't know where but that's going to happen i believe that within 10 years if this you know current momentum is kept up i don't i don't see a way why the nfl wouldn't be number two in terms of uh the biggest sport in africa I, I don't see a way in which that won't happen as long as they follow my plan for these <laughs> ten years it, it's soccer is soccer right um that's that's going to be there but i think behind that if you look at everything that the the advantages that the nfl has over pretty much any other sport especially with the implementation of flag football mm. um I don't see a way in which it won't be ubiquitous across, especially Sub-Saharan Africa. Mm. Everybody's going to understand the NFL. They're going to be playing the game. They're going to be playing flag football, and they're going to be consuming it without a shadow of a doubt. Wow. That's, that's ambitious. So we, we should be warned. We will warn <laughs> our friends at NBA Africa, yeah. and also the cricket and the rugby folks. <laughs> so, cricket and rugby, forget about them. <laughs> that, uh, the only, the only um, true, I would say, uh, uh, well, not even competition, but the only true, I would say, brother uh, is basketball. That's the only one that's going to be able to stand and connect with the NFL. Everybody else is finished. <laughs> Super cool. Now for us, it's music to our ears to you know that uh,
1: more capital can get into the continent. Mm-hmm. Looking at sport is, is an obvious one uh, that really with intervention like yours, uh, further demonstrate the, the validity and the feasibility of, uh, of the asset class. Because, you know, I tell everybody the, the thing the continent has the most of is not natural resources, human resources. Mm. And uh, the physicality of, of the brothers and sisters is just... <laughs> but they don't understand it. It's so, so weird. But yeah, I think it, it just took a bit of time. Yeah. But now... Over over you know, it took a few decades to realize it, but you know you take baseball 120 years, yeah. basketball 60 plus, American football mm-hmm. even longer. Wow. Think that the transition happening in all those leagues. First, the decision to go global, yeah, and then when you decide to go outside the US, then you realize the the essential aspect yeah. of one geography in each of your strategies. (laughs) Then you have to decide how you get pragmatic about it. Mm. So seeing uh, what NBA has done and then you guys, I Mm. think it would just open more eyes. But I think the underneath story that's most potent is former athlete like yourself. Mm. Not just retiring to go into oblivion, Mm. but actually coming back with a second win, third win, and say, you know what, I see this, but nobody else sees. Yeah. Let me make it happen. And now athletes are also getting the right to invest after retirement, but now during their career. Mm. And that is just making you know, an amount of capital that didn't exist before into this international expansion that will only contribute to more more
2: uh, velocity. Yeah. Shout out to the shout out to the NBA. I, I have to give them like a lot of love <laughs> and a lot of credit. Amadou Galufa, yeah. a massive inspiration to a lot of the things that I'm doing. He's um, yeah. basically walking in his footsteps. But American football. Shout out to Masai. Um, <laughs> yes. G- these are just some real visionary, incredible people yes. who are doing so much good on the continent. Man, I will say this. And this is just advice, and I'm I'm going to tell them. I think the one trick that they're missing, um, that they have to find a way to do, is exactly what we're doing with this. Having like, imagine, imagine if a LeBron James or Giannis, imagine if they had ownership in some of these teams that are in Africa. Yeah, like. Imagine what that would do. Oh, the open. oh come on, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. you, you have to find a way to make that connection and make that happen, right? Because if the players themselves are bought in to that, the way they are with what we're doing, the, the sky is the, the absolute limit. Yes.
1: There. I think the rule has just started changing. Like, there was an, a, a very specific rule that forbids mm. existing... Players as still operational mm-hmm. to buy into teams, okay, because it was some conflict of interest, etc. Mm-hmm. But I think it's. I'm talking uh, about in Africa. They in Af- oh, even wow. Africa, as long as it's affiliated to to NBA. Got you. But they could buy a team that's not affiliated directly to NBA. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but the benefit I think for everybody is to be NFL, affiliated NBA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that that rule actually is being. Uh, Change so they're defining a way to allow those guys mm-hmm. to yeah. now buy N teams in the US, mm-hmm. but also teams here. Mm-hmm. And I think once that window collapse, mm-hmm. then what you've achieved will uh, will open uh, open the gate. I mean, already what we've been able to do at least in our the team, we partially own uh, the Tigers. Yeah. We were able to get uh, Dwayne Wade's son to come and play for us, and Dwayne and Gabriella came yeah, during yeah. the tournament. So I think you will probably see over the years to come, some of the ball players come into the teams. At mm-hmm. least they've managed to get former yeah. NBA players to be investors in. Correct. So I think what you're saying is like, get them to go in. into yeah. the team <laughs> proper, yeah, and that yeah, will yeah. just expand the, 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 the. no. That's uh, beautiful. If you had a chance to speak to young Osi, Mm. age 16 is when you got to uh, obviously get your scholarship. Let's say 18. Yeah. What would you say to young Osi? You had (laughs) 30 (laughs) seconds
2: (laughs) to give him advice. Just Um, enjoy. Like I wouldn't change anything. You know, like I, I, there's not one thing I would say that I ch- I would change because I learned so much, right? Like going through all those different processes, and and w- when I look at where I am now, it, it's just been it, it's it's been almost too good to be true. Like I can't mm-hmm. believe it, right? So just enjoy it is what I'll tell them. Enjoy that. Enjoy the whole process. Um, so far, it's, it's it's been incredible. Amen. A musician has to sing.
1: A painter has to paint, mm. and a drawer has to draw. Mm. What is it that OC needs to do in order to be?
2: I have to continue to... I, I don't want to call myself a visionary, <laughs> right? You are. Yeah, but oh. I, I have to continue to think five, ten years ahead, five, ten steps ahead. And, and manifest those things because um, as long as you can see it, and it is, is something that of all people Conor McGregor said that that I take I took very very personal. He says if if you can see it here, and you have the courage to speak it, then it'll happen. Amen. Yeah.
1: Amen. So I have to continue but along doing that. Fabulous quote. We will put it on the on the show on repeat. Yes, sir. Biggest influence uh, of your life, mm. a person, a book? Tell us
2: if you had to pick one. <sighs> Cliché, um, my father, mm. um, as a person, has it's, it's him, I'm a thousand percent. I'm um, just watching him, um, not necessarily, use a proper African dad, so it wasn't much interaction when we were growing up. But I just saw him and I saw the way he behaved and I saw how, you know, generous and kind and prideful and how um, upfront and straight and, you know, he he was just, he was a very, very good Mm -hmm. person. And so for him, it it would have to be, it it would have to be him. I would say from a professional standpoint, from a player, Michael Strahan, and then Mm -hmm. now Amadou. Mm-hmm. Gallo for a hundred percent like right wow. now it's Amadou he's he's the guy of, wow. yeah him and Masai but Amadou um so yeah well who do you got for the next Super Bowl <laughs> uh shout out today yeah, I will say Philadelphia fly Eagles fly all right which
1: country could host the first NFL game in Africa which country could oh. or do I
2: want to? <laughs> do, <laughs> do I want to Nigeria? Answer. Lagos. Lagos, Nigeria. But Lagos. Which, one, which one could? Probably South Africa. All right.
1: What's your favorite sports movie?
2: He Got Game. Favorite football movie? Kicking and Screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen that. That's a funny movie. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I'm <laughs> going to have to <laughs> check that mm-hmm. out. Best moment in your NFL career? Ooh, yeah. I'm gonna, it, it's a selfish one, but when I, when I got named uh, All Pro for the mm-hmm. first time, that, that was my favorite. That was the best feeling I would say I've ever
1: had. Hey, man. Is there one thing you would have been part of your entire NFL career? Which one would it be? One team? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Giants. The All right. Best team home in the sweet league. home. Yeah. <laughs> NFL African rookie you're looking forward to see
2: on the field in this next season. Mm. I would have to say, the um, Mazi Smith just got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. I think you know he's a Nigerian, mm. and even though his name doesn't indicate that, but <laughs> he's, he's a Nigerian. All right. What's one investment you wish you had made? Ooh, I wish I would have made an investment, a much early investment in Bitcoin and then exited like (laughs) five years ago. No, no, like three, four years ago. Yeah, Yeah, there's a bit
1: of FOMO there. (laughs) What advice can you tell investors about sport business in Africa?
2: It's the only only place I would say that you're going to be able to achieve exponential growth there. I, Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that you can achieve it in any other continent besides there. Obviously, the gamble is, is probably higher. The risk is a little bit higher, I would say, but the reward um, from everything that I'm seeing is, is going to be exponential. Most inspiring sport business executive.
1: Okay. You've uh, given us a few names. Yeah. So I think I'll skip that. Recent sport business story that caught your attention.
2: Recent sport business story that caught my attention. Um, I I would say the formation of MBA Africa as a business Mm -hmm. entity. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't even know that was possible (laughs) at the time. Um, so that was what really, I was like, oh, okay, so this is what we're doing now, right? And so now we're doing that too. So yeah, that one. Favorite business book? Uh, Oh, your next five moves by Patrick Burt David. Mm. Yeah. That's my list. Yeah, favorite personal development book. Um, personal development, maybe I don't know if this is a personal development uh, book, but it, it's a book called Homo Sapiens. Homo uh, Sapien by Yuval. Yeah, Harry, yeah, now, my number one. Yeah, is, oh. is that a
1: personal development book? Would you say? It, yeah, there's some aspect to it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I would recommend it to anyone. Yeah, for personal Fantastic development, <laughs> knowledge, yeah. open uh, mm-hmm. one's. Uh, on life. Favorite podcast, whether sports or business.
2: Oh, um, is it a Silverbacks podcast? <laughs> 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 yeah, that's the one.
1: <laughs> so, is there one just for sport that you you listen to besides? Um,
2: nah, not, not I don't really listen to a lot of um, sports okay. uh, podcasts. But do you listen to other business podcasts? Oh, the, the last one that I that I listened to is for our podcast was uh, it was about the formation of LVMH Oh, was, have you heard have you, have you listened to that one <laughs>
1: crazy crazy yeah. yeah I would argue that it's in my top five best podcasts really I was discussing that just last night that's that crazy. specific yeah. podcast which one member of our board like, probably for like 20 minutes that's crazy I was like you must you guys just listen to that, that episode, right? <laughs> <of bad. laughs> just open your eyes and Ooh, yeah. Plant. Yeah. Bro, this was amazing. Yes, sir. One love. Yes, sir. Thank, thank you, so sir. Fun. This was oh, really, really it. great. Yes, sir. This was yes, fantastic. Keep up. Yes, sir. Fantastic work. This is phenomenal. Yes, sir. Then you're gonna rock it. zero doubt.
0: <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode of Silverbacks Valley. For more episodes around founders building dominant platforms from Africa to the rest of the world, you can follow us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anjami, and AudioMac. Tune in.